Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You doing good? Awesome. Was that awesome song? Love that song. That's a great song. Man, I tell you, we got some talented people around here. Hey, we're in this message or series called God of the Possible. We've been in there for a few weeks. We're going to be wrapping this series up today. And uh, man, we've, we've talked about a lot of really neat things. What we've been doing is we've been going through miracles, uh, basically, of Jesus, uh, things that he did that you know, only he could do, and we've been extracting lessons from those things that we can learn. Today, we're going to continue. We've got one more miracle that he performed today. We're going to be talking about a story. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, if the words will be on the screen. Uh, if you've got your laptop, whatever, I mean, your, la- your uh, well, maybe your laptop, maybe your tablet, your phone, whatever you got with you. But we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 2 today, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. But there's a story of uh, the, um, uh, that Jesus was preaching at Peter's house. Jesus was staying there, and he was preaching there, and a bunch of people had gathered, and, and uh, some men bring, they go and get their buddy, some people, and they bring this paralytic for Jesus. Uh, they want Jesus to pray for him because they know that he can be healed, and they can't get in because there's a lot of people there, so they dig a hole through the roof and lower Jesus down, and that's a story we're going to be talking about today. And uh, as we talk about the story, I'm going to, there's a a lot of lessons I could take out of that passage of scripture, a lot of things to preach, but I'm going to focus on the guys, on the the people that brought, the group of people that brought this person uh, to to Jesus today. And and as I get started today, I want to share a story with you. Now, I uh, you know, when, you know, I know I'm getting a little older, so I have to preface things sometimes when I say them. So I don't know how many young people remember some of these characters that I grew up look, you know, reading about and talking about. You know, Charlie Brown. Does everybody know who Charlie Brown is? Okay, because some people may not. Maybe you're young. Google it. I mean, you got your devices. Just Google it. Charlie Brown uh, and, and, and uh, Peanuts. Remember Peanuts and Snoopy. And, and Lucy, remember Lucy, that little strong-willed lady, that, that Charlie Brown's little friend? Well, well, one time I was reading a story, this is years ago, and I was reading it in a thing called a newspaper. You Google that too if you're young. Uh, we used to have these things that people threw at your door and you could open them up and there was print and you could read the news. It was amazing. And now I know everything's electronic. But anyway, so it was in a newspaper and it was a, a newspaper and they had a comic strips in the newspaper. And I was reading this comic strip and I never will forget this story because it impressed something upon me and I've never forgotten it. But Charlie Brown, this little guy, he was watching television. And he was just minding his own business, watching television. And Lucy walked in the room. Well, when Lucy walked in the room, she said, change the channel. And Charlie Brown's like, well, why do I need to change the channel? What gives you the right to tell me to change the channel? She, said, she held up her hand like this. She's got five reasons. One, two, three, four, five. Together, they're not very much. But when I put them together... And they come together, they're a powerful force to be reckoned with. Charlie Brown changed the channel, and then he looked at his hand, and he said, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) And I've never forgotten that story. And, And, you know, I think sometimes Jesus looks at our churches, and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? And he looks around, and he sees all these organizations and these companies and businesses and all these people organized and moving in a direction and making a difference. And sometimes when he looks at his church, he sees a bunch of individuals that have never come together to be a powerful force for the kingdom. 
And so the message that I want to share today is about that. Uh, as we look at this passage of scripture and we, and we look at these guys that bring their friend to Jesus, it may seem like a weird passage of scripture to talk about unity. But what we see in the passage is we see a group of people who are interested in getting their friend to Jesus. And this group of believers, they move in a direction and they do some things that I believe we can learn from. So if we employ the same things, if you and I will do some of the things that we see them doing, I believe that our church can move in the direction of Jesus in a powerful way and we can make a difference for the kingdom. So we're gonna be in the book of uh, the, the gospel of Mark, the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, second book in the Bible, New Testament, uh, chapter two, beginning with uh, verse one. The scriptures say this, and when he, talking about Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, and this is talking about this group of people that brought this paralytic. It says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who, could, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this gospel that was penned so many years ago that has such profound lessons in it for us today. God, I know in this passage, there are a lot of things that we could teach. Today, I'm gonna focus on these guys, this group of people that brought their friend. So help us to take away something maybe new and fresh. Maybe we haven't heard this before this way or, and, and, and just something that will, we, that will change our lives, that we can apply to our lives and that will help us grow in likeness of your son, Jesus, and will help us advance the kingdom and your cause. And God, for that, we'll give you the glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so we have this story. When it takes place, Jesus has been ministering for a while now. He's been healing sick people. He's been raising the dead. He's turned water into wine. He's calmed seas. He's done all kinds of things. And people are hearing about this everywhere. And people are interested in him. So now he comes home to a place called Capernaum. He's staying with Peter at Peter's house. He comes there to Peter's house. And people hear about it. So people gather around. And he begins to preach and to teach the word. And as he does that, people, so many people, People come around, they fill up the house. You can't even get in the door. There's probably people all around the house. And, um, and so in the middle of all this, there were some people some, that had a friend 
that was paralytic and, and, and he needed healing. And so they apparently had heard the teachings of Jesus, maybe seen Jesus perform some other miracles. I don't know. It doesn't describe to us all that stuff, but that you can probably assume that because they had faith that if they could get this guy to Jesus, that Jesus could heal him. And so they bring their friend to the house, but when they get there, they see all these people and there's no way in the world they can get in. So they, they come up with this plan. They get together and they, they, they talk about it. They come up with a plan. These people climb on top of the house, dig a hole in the roof, lower their friend down to Jesus. And, and then we know the rest of the story is that Jesus actually heals this guy. He takes up his mat and he, he, walks, he walks away. So this is uh, an amazing story, an amazing miracle that Jesus does in healing this guy. But, but when we look at the story, it's an interesting story because again, you know, we could go into the whole thing about when Jesus said his sins are forgiven. We could talk about a lot of different things. But again, I wanna focus on the guys today, on this group, because this is a unified group of people that believe Jesus can do something. A unified group of people that believe in Jesus. So, this is, so as a church, if we put this in the, you know, the, the context of the church, Heartland Church, you know, hopefully you're a believer if you're here today. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just sort of kicking the tires of Christianity and you're here and, and, and that's wonderful. But I hope that God will, will speak to your heart today. But if you're in church, you're part of the church, you should be a believer. And, and if you're a believer, then, then this speaks to unity of believers moving forward in the direction of Jesus. And so I want us to see some things, some valuable lessons from this today. The first thing that I want, I'm, so I titled the message, if you like message titles, I titled the message today, A High Impact Church. So the first thing I want you to take away today is that a high impact church cares. They care. In, in the first three verses, it says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Now look at verse three. And they came, these guys and these people, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. These people cared about this other person. They cared about their friend. We don't know how long he had been in that condition, uh, but we can see their compassion and, and their willingness to sacrifice for another person. You know, the apostle Paul wrote a, a, a letter one time to the church at Philippi. Listen to what he said to the Philippians. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, that's exactly what these guys were practicing. They were more interested in their friend than themselves. They genuinely, sincerely cared about this person, about their friend. And, and so that's something that we need to do as a church. If we're going to be a high impact church, we need to care for each other, not just in word, but in deed. We need to be people that love each other and care for each other, are interested in each other's lives. That's what churches are. They're a family and we care for each other. But not only do they, they care about this guy, but we can see in this story that they cared about their mission, the mission of the group. They, they cared about it. They needed to get their friend to Jesus, so they, they came up with a plan they, 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 together, and they cared about it. And I, and I guarantee you there were people in the crowd that, that didn't like their plan and didn't see the same plan. They didn't care as much. It's probably people saw them coming with a stretcher and going, where are you guys going with a the stretcher? They go, well, we're going over to Peter's. We know if Jesus prays for our friend that he'll heal him. And they're going, you can't get that stretcher in there, right? 
You can't do that. There's too many people over there. Yeah, I'm sure there were some naysayers in the crowd. Ever, ever any naysayers in a church? Don't point at anybody, just, just say yeah. Right? There's some naysayers in churches, right? Every time you try to do something, oh, you can't do that. You know, I mean, there's always people like that. The thing I want you to see, the takeaway, is the compassion and the caring that took place. They loved this guy and they were compassionate about the mission that they were on. You know, here at Heartland, we read earlier our mission. It, it says that we love Jesus, we love each other, and we love our world. This is loving each other is what we're talking about. Caring for each other. Loving each other means that we care about all aspects of another person's life. It, that, that, that's why we're always talking about becoming involved in our small group ministry, in our, we call them heart groups here. And, and it's, it's really important that you become involved in a heart group because Heartland, you know, is a pretty large church. You get everybody together at one time. There's a lot of people here. It's really easy to get lost in a large church. It's easy to, to, to feel like nobody cares about you. It's easy for you to slip in and slip out and never demonstrate care for other people. So it's really important one way we, we want to make the church smaller, even though it's a big church. And one of the ways we do that is by you coming to small groups, getting involved in a small group. That, that gets you connected. You form relationships. You can pray for people in your group. They can pray for you. You know, you exercise your spiritual gifts within the context of the group. I mean, all those kind of things, it makes a difference. So they cared. But they didn't, but, but also uh, something about our mission, it says that we love the world too. So, so what does that mean? Well, that means that we care about the world. We care about people in the world who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want people to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we care about our world. And, and that's what a, a church does. We, we care. And, and you know, we, we try to get involved in things that are going on in the world in a lot of different ways. We got a mission trip coming up to Uganda. That's caring about our world, taking the gospel to Africa. I mean, going to a different place and, and taking the gospel. We have other mission trips that come up. We, we encourage you to adopt a compassion child. We, we're involved with Compassion International. We want you to adopt a child and support that child. And that's a way that locally you can be involved in missions on an ongoing basis. We do outreach events. And um, there, there's lots of ways. You know, earlier we mentioned some of the ministries that we're involved in because we care about our community and care about the world. And, and one of the things, I, I'm gonna reiterate what was said earlier, because I said something about Mills on Wheels. Mills on Wheels is not a ministry per se, but it is, a, it is an organization, a nonprofit in town that does a lot of good. It takes mills to homebound people. And to maybe somebody that's a little older and they can't get out. And so for a nominal fee, sometimes even for free, they take meals to people. And right now during the summer, just like at church, there's a lot of people that aren't here because they're on vacation and all that kind of stuff. And during the summer, people, they don't have enough people to run the routes. And if they can't get someone to run the route, somebody doesn't get some food. And so like, like CJ said, if you drove to church today, you have everything that's needed to drive for Meals on Wheels. And I would encourage some of you, especially if you're retired, you got some time on your hand, you're not having to be at work every day, go down and volunteer and run a couple routes for them. Let me tell you, I've done that before. And let me just tell you, you get to knock on doors and you get to meet people. And some of those people are just in their house and they don't see people very often. And you can have great conversations with them. You can even talk to them about Jesus. So it's a great opportunity to share your faith it's a great opportunity to evangelize. So we would encourage you to get involved. But that's one of the ways that we love our world, that we care about others. So one of the things about a high-impact church is the church cares. Another thing goes hand-in-hand hand with that is that the church cooperates. And, and let's look at verses 3 and 4. And they came, it says these guys came, 
bringing their friend, uh, bringing a paralytic carried by four men, bringing to Jesus a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. In order to accomplish their mission, there had, their mission, there had to be cooperation, right? They had to come together. I mean, you know, remember the illustration earlier from Charlie Brown? That, you know, there, there were four of these guys, but they had to come together in order to accomplish the mission. They had to cooperate. And, and so it's the same way in the church. If we're going to be a high-impact church, a group of believers that are coming together, moving towards Jesus, we're going to need to cooperate. And, and that means that, that we all have to bring our gifts and our abilities and our talents and our resources, our education, our work experience, our life experience. We all come into the church like this, right? We all come in, we're all individuals with all those things. You are created in the image of God and you're created to be uniquely you. No one in the world is wired exactly like you're wired. Some of you are thinking about your wife or husband or friend right now going, I'm glad no one else is wired like them. Right, but, 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 but no, listen, we're all wired in a special way. But when we bring all that di those differences together and we bring them together, we can be a force to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what this is demonstrating to you and me this morning, is that when we come together, we need to cooperate. We're never going to be a high-impact church if we don't cooperate and work together. If you don't bring your gifts and your abilities and your talents to bear for kingdom work in the local church, we're never going to be what God has called us to be. When we walk together, when we work together, when we're all focused on the same thing, we are a mighty force for kingdom work. So we need to cooperate. Think about it. When the Holy Spirit is working in you and in your life and working through each one of us and we all come together and the Holy Spirit is all wrapped up and involved in that, he, God can do things that we can't even ask or imagine through us. And we can be a powerful force for the kingdom. So a high impact church cares about people, cooperates. And listen to this. This is one of my I love this. It's creative. No, what has that got to do with anything? L listen to this. And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now I love the way these guys think. I like people like this. The fact that they couldn't get their friend to Jesus in a conventional way did not stop them, did it? I mean, they, can you imagine, I, you know, I'm a little weird. You know, when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm studying all this stuff and I'm reading, I sit back and I think. And I was thinking, I wonder what different people thought about this. Wonder what Peter thought about this. It was his house. I don't know how much a roof costs. I know how much it costs today. Somebody started ripping the shingles off your house. How'd you feel? Right, what's going on in Peter's mind? What's going on in Jesus' mind? He's up there just teaching away and all of a sudden stuff starts falling on him. You know, what's going on? There's all this stuff going on, but these guys are so creative in their approach. They are dedicated to the mission and they will do anything they can do to get this guy to Jesus. Listen, I believe we should do anything and everything short of sin to get people to Jesus. That means that we need to be creative. That means that sometimes we need to color outside of the lines, that we need to do things maybe just a little, a little bit different. I believe if we're going to be a high impact church, we need to be creative in our approach to reaching people for Jesus. We cannot be afraid to do things differently 
as long as we're not violating scriptural principles. Since Arlen began, since this church began, I have always been a person that's, that, that, that I'm like, if it ain't broke, break it. Okay, you know, people say, well, if it's not broke, you know, you know, you know don't, if, don't try to fix it. No, if, it, if it's not broke, we need to break it from time to time. We live in a culture that's changing day in and day out. We live in a climate that is different than it used to be. You cannot, you know, it, and now listen, whether you like what I'm saying or not, I'm just going to tell you the way it is. People, younger generation, people today, they are not attracted to doing church like we did church in 1956. They're just not, and they're not going to show up. So we have to change the way we do things a little bit. We have to change our methods up a little bit. We need to change the methods, but you listen to me and listen to me careful because I'm going to say this word loud. We can never change the message. The gospel will always be the gospel. Sin will always be sin. Hell will always be hell and heaven will always be heaven. We have to unapologetically preach the word of God without apology. We've got to do that, but we've got to change the way we deliver it or we're going to lose generations of people. We can't do it the same way we've always done it. And anytime you do something different, you're going to have somebody that says, well, we've never done it that way before. You know why you're laughing? Because you've heard it, right? Hopefully you didn't say it, okay? But, but that's the truth, isn't it? Listen, I get criticized sometimes at Heartland. I, I was talking to someone just the other day and they said, no, you're the pastor where? I said, I'm the pastor at Heartland Church in Winter Haven. He goes, oh, you're at that rock and roll church. Well, I'm going to tell you, if that was rock and roll we played early, I'm all in. I'm all in. Give me Jesus. Right? Give me Jesus. I'm all in if that's rock and roll. Plus, I like Leonard Skinner. Deal with it. Okay? Here, it's just, okay. Here's the deal. I, I just think that we have to do things a little different. If it means that we have to have a little different lighting, if it means that we have a little bit more stage presence and put a big old screen up here, if it means that and if that'll draw younger people in because if they come in and they don't even come in because of Jesus, they just come in because they said, I heard you got a cool band and a big screen. If they come in, I'll promise y'all something, before they leave here, they're gonna hear about Jesus and he can change their life. And if it takes smoke and mirrors to make that happen, so be it. If you don't like it, there's plenty of churches around that don't have them. See y'all. Because we're going to do anything we can to fill the seats, sort of sin, so that they can hear the gospel and maybe their lives will be changed. I'm not going to insult them in the parking lot and we're not going to insult them in the lobby. We're not going to insult you in the lobby. We're not going to insult you in the environment. We're going to make you comfortable and all those kind of things. If anything's going to insult you, it's going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that'll mess with you. But I don't care if that insults you. Right? We need to be creative. We've got to do that. But we can never change the message. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it has got to be preached and taught that way and can never change. But the methods have to always change. Now, since you've gotten really quiet, I'll move on to the next point. A high-impact church is committed. It says in verse 5 that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins 
are forgiven. Now that stirred everybody up because Jesus said, basically was saying, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes that were sitting there going, only God can forgive sins. And they didn't understand who Jesus was. That's another sermon for another day. But the point is, is that, that these guys were committed. They didn't get to the house, see all those people holding the stretcher, look around and went, well, Bill, we're sorry, but it's a little crowded today. We can't do this. They didn't do that. They were committed. They figured out a way to get their friends to Jesus. In the book of Galatians in the Bible, it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not grow, go, uh, give up. So if, if let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. We have to be committed to our faith, to our mission, to each other, but more importantly, to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have got to remain committed to those things. And then they accomplished what they set out to do. Now, what was the result of their accomplishment? Well, it says in verse 12, it says, and this man rose, this paralytic, he rose and immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Wouldn't you just like to be, have you ever been in a church service or you ever been involved in something in church where you walked out and you said, man, never saw anything like that. I, I, I long for that every day. I want to see God show up. Don't you want to see God show up? I want to see God do God stuff that we can't explain. I want to see God do those kind of things. And it's my firm conviction that if you and I will care about each other the way that we're supposed to, and, and, if, and if we will care about our mission of loving Jesus and loving each other and loving our world, if we will cooperate and come together and you'll bring your gifts and I'll bring my gifts and we'll bring our talents and resources and we'll all bring that all into the local church, into here at Heartland, if we'll bring that together. And if we're creative and we're not afraid to color outside the lines and we'll change our methods, but we won't change the message. And if we will stay committed and we won't give up, let me tell you what's gonna happen. We will witness the power of God. We will witness the power of God. And we need to witness that. People will be amazed at what God is doing. There will be a buzz and there'll be people wanting to come because they wanna see God at work and we wanna see God at work. So it's my prayer that if you're here today that you wanna be part of all that God has planned for Heartland and, and that you'll get involved. It's also my prayer that if you're here today and you're not a believer and not a follower of Jesus Christ, that you will not leave this place today in that condition. That maybe through what you've heard today, maybe through the message, maybe through what I've preached today, maybe through a conversation out in the lobby, maybe through a prayer that was offered today, a song that was sung, through something that took place here today, God has spoken to you. And you know that you need a relationship with Jesus. It's my prayer today that you will surrender your life to him. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and if we will believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Now, if you're here today and maybe you're like, well, I, I, I'm not saved and, and I don't know how to pray like that. I don't, what do I do? Well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. There's nothing magical about my prayer, nothing special. It's gotta come from your heart to God. But you pray with me right now if you desire a relationship with Jesus. You just close your eyes right now and you pray. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And God, I'm asking you right now in 
the best way I understand and the best way I know how, God, to forgive me of my sins. God, I, I want to commit my life to you and I want to be part of your family. So I'm asking you to forgive me and make me part of your family and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. We have the promise of God through his word that if you pray and you ask Jesus into your life and to forgive you of your sins, that he will send his Holy Spirit to indwell you, that he will come, that he will save you and and make you part of his family. And if you prayed that prayer today, maybe you don't know where do I go from here. I don't know. I've got questions. I don't know what to do. In just a moment, we're going to sing and we're all going to stand up. And when we do that, I would encourage you to slip out and go to the back. We have people that have lanyards on that say prayer team. They have t-shirts on and they will pray with you, answer your questions, help you with resources, help you know where do you go from here, all those kind of things. Maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Christ. Maybe you're a believer. But as I talked about those things today about cooperating, maybe you've not really cooperated. And I talked about caring. Maybe you haven't cared the way you should care. You know, maybe one of those things that we talked about today, maybe you've been critical of any change that, 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 that took place. Maybe your commitment is kind of like this. It's not, not, not really, you're not really committed. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ today. Maybe you need to rededicate your life today. Maybe you need to pray and ask God to help you get back on track. You can go back and talk to one of those people as well. Maybe today you need to make your way to one of these crosses. You know, each week we, we ask you to come up and when you see you can look up the crosses now. There are paper that, that are up there. We ask you to write your prayer request and pin them up to the cross, symbolically nailing it to the cross of Jesus. And then we take those down and we take them into our staff meeting and we read them each and every week and we pray for you guys. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe you're here today. Matter of fact, I, I wanna invite you today. I wanna invite you to come down here today and kneel down and just pray. Some of you do that. Would you come down for, for me? Would you come and pray for Heartland? Would you come and pray that we will be a high impact church? Maybe you need to bring your family. Maybe you need to bring somebody. But I want to invite you to come down as we stand and we sing. Step out and come down and pray. We don't do this enough around here. We need, we need to be crying out to God. And I, and I need you to cry out on behalf of our church. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking in the scriptures and we're going to be looking at what a, what a biblical church is. And then after that, we're going to go into a whole series about our mission and our value and, our, and, and all the things, our vision for our church and all those things so that you're well informed about our church and we can all get together and move forward and advance the kingdom. But would you come down today and just kneel down? I'm going to ask you to do that. Come, just come and you don't have anything to pray for. Some of you come and pray for Heartland. That would sure mean a lot. Stand with us now as we continue to worship.